Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Good morning, afternoon, and evening, everyone, and welcome to today's show of It's All About the Questions. Always such a joy to be here with all of you and to get to talk to so many people that have changed my life in so many ways at so many different times and points in my life. And my next guest has been on several times on the show. And he's one of those people that just getting an email from him, if you've probably heard me say before, completely changes my perspective on things and always brings a smile to my face. And it's a joy to get to continue the love fest. I started last week with Bob Berg talking about their latest book, The Go-Giver Influencer, a little story about a most persuasive idea. I keep wanting to say pervasive idea, but it's kind of the same thing. Today, I've got the other half of the writing team, John David Mann, who uh, you might remember was my first guest after my mom passed away. His graciousness, his talents, his gifts continue to change me every day with every single book he writes and it's always a joy to have him on the show especially on launch day for the go-giver influencer which i just checked and john it is already number one new release on amazon so welcome (laughs) good morning laura it's a pleasure to be here thank you i i couldn't you know i i fully expected it to to go to number one and i really hope this one hits new york times because your book's are so powerful, John. I mean, every time I read them, I can feel the shifts not only happening in my mind, but in my body as I release preconceived notions that I didn't even realize were there, limiting beliefs that I didn't realize were there until I've read your books. And The Go-Giver Influencer is no different. So thank you for doing another book, you and Bob, to change the world today. Oh, it's it's the most fun you can possibly have on a, uh, on a on a Thursday morning or a Saturday afternoon to 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 write for readers like this. So thank you. Now, this book is a continuation of the Go Giver. Um, you've got four books in the series. I know there's three parable books in the series. You've got the Go Giver, Go Giver, Sell More, Go Giver, Leader, and now the Go Giver Influencer. Why this book now? There is so much contention in the world. It seems like civility has gone by the wayside. Why this book now? Yes, a little story about a most perverse idea. Oh, no, wait, it's not perverse. (laughs) There's so many other P words you can put in there. (laughs) Yes, a most peripatetic idea. Yeah, that's a great question. It is, is, you know, it, it is a most pervasive idea and a most persuasive idea. It's, this is, it's kind of a weird time. Um, Yeah, I'm sure you and Bob talked about this last week. We talk all the time. What do we want to do next? What do we think our our, uh, our legendary uh, uh, fictional mentor Pindar would be thinking about and talking about if he were in our world today? And it seemed to us like today people need more than ever to learn how to talk to each other. Like people are just seem to have forgotten uh, uh, or, or or lost track of what we always thought were just common everyday notions of decency, civility, communication. And so you know, it's not just in the political sphere. It's really kind of in every sphere. But just, just to get back to sort of the root of it, all of our books have seemed to get to the point of, of the, the, the word influence. They all seem to revolve around the idea 
of what does it mean to have influence, to be, in, to be genuinely influential. And I don't mean influential like famous. I mean influential in your world. That is somebody that others look to, that others gravitate toward for guidance, leadership, uh, you know, common sense, support, uh, sort of spiritual nourishment or, or social uh, guidance. That's, to us, influential. So long answer to a short question. That, that brought us here. You know, we wanted to write about communication, civil discourse, and the, sort of the anatomy of genuine influence. I feel like this book, and I, I talked about this a bit with Bob last week, I feel like it's your opus gloria, your, your legacy, what you want people to be saying about you guys both of you, that you nudge the world forward with your words. Would you agree with that? And if so, what would you want people to say about you after having read this book? You know, you're, um, you're supposed to love all your children equally. And I have six children, five children. Who, and, uh, and now in the Goalkeeper series, we have four children. So, you know, I love them all. And when we, each one comes out, I think this is the one that really, that really says what we want to say. But you have a point. I mean, this is, first off, this book sort of spun off of Bob's book, Adversaries into Allies, which is his kind of his life's work. And so this whole idea of influencing people without intimidation, without coercion, without manipulation, this is like what Bob Berg lives and breathes. This is his water. This is his oxygen. So I know that for him, we've talked a lot about it. It's definitely his magnum opus. It's his, his testament uh, for the world. Um, for me, it's a, it's a constant discovery process. Um, you know, what I would like people to say about, if I had a tombstone, <laughs> what I would like it to say is he made a difference. Um, I think that's what everybody wants, really, is to feel like their lives have made a difference, that the world is a different place as a result of their having been here. Um, but I, I would like people to read this book. I'd like to come away and say, I have a different perspective that I never had before. And I just never saw things that way. That's what we're after. We're trying to reach inside people's hearts and give it a little tug and give their brain a little twist at the same time and have them come out looking at life from a little bit larger perspective. Well, I've already told you in my opening that you did that for me. So you're, you're mm. good. <laughs> Mission accomplished. Yay. <laughs> you know, the other day I was on the radio and somebody asked me at the end, at the end of the show, he said, <clears throat> if, you wanted, if you could give people one practical thing to do in a confrontation or a negotiation or situation, you know, where you have difference of opinion and you're having this, this back and forth, give them one practical thing to do, what would it be? And I just off the cuff, I said, I would like people to take a deep breath and say, what is it that I don't know about what this person just said? And what is it that I don't know about this person? Um, and I think that's kind of what this book is after. It's we all tend to make assumptions, uh, sort of shorthand summaries of the person standing in front of us or sitting in front of us or on the other end of the Twitter feed or whatever our interaction is. We have this sort of shorthand summary of who that person is. Now, the extreme of that, is, of course, is a label. Uh, man, woman, Democrat, Republican, uh, you know, women's lumber, uh, conservative, wh whatever. So th th labels are extreme shorthand. 
But even without those, we tend to have, you know, 10-word, 20-word, 30-word summaries of who this person is. There's a whole universe to that person, an experience set. And, and, and often we, we don't take it the next step and try to get behind the other, the other person and look over their shoulder and see how are they seeing the world? What's it like for them? Why are they saying what they're saying? What are they not saying that we probably need to know? Um, and why aren't they saying it? And what can we do to make it okay for them to say it? All these kinds of questions, that's kind of what I mean by a bigger perspective about our interactions. That's one of your five secrets of genuine or ultimate influence that you talk about, right? It's number two, step yeah. into the other person's shoes. But it's not just stepping into the shoes. It's understanding their motivation is the way you describe it. And yes. the stories you tell in the book about how the two main characters begin to understand that from different perspectives, because they each have a, a different mentor that's helping them, that they, they see what's driving them. It, it's amazing yeah. how you can begin to shift. I've always tried to see other people's perspectives because I think it's so critical, you know, especially as an interviewer, I, I want to understand People laugh because I ask my, my guests to send me questions that they'd like me to ask, yeah. and then I never ask the questions <laughs> because I have my own set of questions. But, but by asking, I get an insight into your mind, right, that yes. tells me where you might be thinking around your topic. So yeah. I understand yeah. your perspective, and, and that enables me, I hope, to interact from a different level. And it, it, yeah. that is so important to you as a, as a person, as, as somebody who writes books for other people, I would imagine that is such, and with other people, I would imagine that is such a critical skill. Oh, I, I'm constantly, I mean, most of the books I write, um, I'm, or, you know, or I'd say about half the books I write are kind of like taking an acting job, because I, I literally step into another person's life and write their memoir as if I'm them. So, yeah, it's, you know, we did something different in this Go-Giver book. And for those uh, people listening who haven't read it yet, so here's... Because it here's just released today, so get your copy, just, everybody. <laughs> just released today. So here's a little uh, um, sleight of hand that we had fun with. All the other Go-Giver books have a single main character, a single protagonist that you learn about in the first chapter. It's Joe and the Go-Giver. It's Ben and the Go-Giver leader. Uh, here we did something a little different. Uh, we start at the first chapter with the main character. His name is Jackson, and he has an encounter with a woman whose name is Ms. Waters. Oh, and, and you know what you... we're going to do? We're going to just Take tease everybody and go into a break with that and talk about why you changed the, the basic. Waters, dot, dot, dot. Dot, dot, dot. We'll be right back with more from John David Mann about the Go-Giver Influencer. All right, John, Mrs. Waters, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> so... The first chapter focuses on Jackson, our hero, and his encounter with this woman. He's trying, he's trying to make a business negotiation with her. Her name is Ms. Waters. The challenge is this. By the time you reach the end of the first chapter, you may have formed a certain picture of who this Ms. Waters person is. When you step into the second chapter, we take you behind her glasses, behind her retina, get inside her shoes, and go back and see that whole negotiation from her point of view. And we, we do this throughout the book. This has been, this is interesting. For the last, in the last decade or two, this has become a very popular style of writing in fiction, is switching back and forth between different points of view. Didn't used to be, but it has become so. And I like to think that's in part because writers are feeding the effort to try to help the reading public 
gain that skill uh, of seeing from different points of view from other people's perspectives. Um, anyhow, point is, hopefully by the end of Chapter 2, your own view, your own assumptions, your own conclusions about who Ms. Waters is have been radically shifted, and they continue to shift through the book. Many of us in business who have had our own companies or, or walked into business situations can can relate to Jackson's um, position where he's looking to make a deal to yeah. keep his business going, and he walks into the cold corporate office, and and he feels like he has no other choice <clears throat> other than to make a deal happen. Yeah. When I was reading the book, I could feel the angst. I could feel both sides, each character's, Mrs. Waters, um, Jillian, Gillian. Is it Jillian or Gillian? How should we pronounce it? I think it's Jillian. Jillian. Okay. So you could feel what's happening in each person's life. As a writer, how do you manage to hold so many characters together to bring them life like you do? Uh, you know, I don't really know. I know that um, I have I sit down with that attention that I want to get to know this person because, you know, every story starts out with kind of an abstract idea. Uh, and and it's, it's a process the same way when you meet a real person, it's still kind of an abstraction. Like you meet the person, you see their face, you get their name, you know what they do for a living. You still don't know much about them. It's like that with a piece of paper. You have you have these characters. Bob and I dreamed up this idea. And then sitting, writing scenes, writing dialogue, it's sort of a question of, I'd like to get to know you better, and who are you? And, uh, you know, sometimes I get a character wrong. I'm, I've written a whole chapter, and I go back and I read it, and I go, you know, I, this person is not in focus. I haven't figured out who they are yet. They don't, they don't read right. So it's, it's, it's a question of getting to know someone by talking with them. It's just you're talking to yourself, you know, like... Uh, uh, like Jeff Dunham with hand puppets. <laughs> <laughs> I love him. He is so awesome. <laughs> of course. Who doesn't? <laughs> and he does truly bring to life all these different characters. And I think you can't, I think you can't, you know, you talked about those who've been in business. It, it's like when you're in business, in any, whether it's in sales or any other dimension of business, a big part of what you do is dealing with other personalities and other people. And so getting to know who people really are is a critical skill in any business. It's the right for the writer. It's no different for the business person. It's no different. It's the same skill as as, as you know, as in any domain. It's uh, putting yourself down, putting yourself uh, not down to the side, you know, putting your, your own interests, needs, imperatives off into the passenger seat, and making your number one priority right now. Saying, okay, who is this person? It's, it's like I learned from my friend Laura Stewart. It's asking the right questions. <laughs> it's, <laughs> and the right question in this case is, who is this person? Not, how can I get what I need? How can I walk out of here with a contract? How can I walk out of here with a sale? How can I walk out of here with a date? You know, whatever it is we're trying to get, it's, it's put all that to the side. And the questions are, who is this person? What do they want in life? What, where are they stuck? What do they need? What are they missing? What are they saying? And also, what are they not saying? Uh, and, and, and I don't mean that in like an analytical, journalistic way, like investigating them, but just in, an, in a way of empathy. Like if they were my kid and they're crying and they can't tell me why, I want to know why they're crying. So I'm trying to understand that. Like that. And that's 
is that where you came up, you and Bob came up with the listen with the back of your neck? <laughs> well, because I have that written all over everything. Listen with the back of your neck. And just as you were talking, like the back of my neck, the hairs went up on it. That's so funny. You know, Bob, I can't have a conversation with Bob without him saying, where did that come from? <laughs> just, uh, so where that came from was as a young man uh, taking some classes in martial arts in, in Aikido. And um, just the, the whole idea of, uh, that the founder of Aikido taught was, or that he embodied as well as he taught, was to have acute situational awareness, which you know from our friend ben, Brandon Webb, the Navy SEAL. The situational awareness of not just looking with your eyes, which focus on what's right ahead of you, but listening with your ears and just feeling with all your senses all around you. And one of the ways I think a teacher once told me was, it's as if you're, it's as if you're listening with the backs of your shoulders and the back of your neck. Um, so that's my equivalent of reading between the lines, of hearing what the person's not saying, of understanding what's in the room that nobody has put in words yet. It's that kind of make yourself quiet and tune into what's really going on here. That's listening with the back of your neck. So after you've you already told us to breathe when we, when we started the show, so you're going to breathe, which is mastering your emotions, taking control of it. Bob and I talked quite a bit about that one last mm. week. And then the step into the other person's shoes is really all about listening with all of your senses, with your eyes, yeah. with your body, with, with everything. And most importantly, with the intention of simply learning more about this person. That is to say, without any other intention, without the intention of what you're going to get. That's the key to this step to listening. It's listening not to investigate, but listening simply to know better who this person is. I love that because when I, when I had my tech company and even in the business that I, I do nowadays, when I go into a situation with, oh, I must, excuse me, I must get this. This is what yeah. I need to do. Yeah. Feeling like you need to manipulate somebody into doing what you want them to do. It never works. But when I go in with just genuinely caring, saying, okay, this is going to be good for both of us. Let me understand how it could be. And if in the middle of it, I feel like it's not going to be, I walk away. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's excellent. That's really good. It, listening to evaluate, uh, uh, and I mean evaluate in, in the largest sense, to get a gut sense of, uh, of whether the situation is right or it's wrong. Another, another context of listening is uh, with the spouse. And I, you know, from, from a guy's point of view, I, let's say I, my wife is upset and I don't know about what exactly, so I get her to start telling me if she's starting to talk. The tendency as a guy, and I will generalize here, is to listen with the intention of figuring out how I can fix it. Oh, I know that one. <laughs> and, yeah, and I don't think it's exclusive to, to the male gender. Listening with the intention of trying to figure out what I can do to fix it. It's about, it's, again, it's about me, right? I'm listening for me. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about forget about fixing it. Forget about what you can do. Forget about you. Just listen with the intention of hearing what they're saying and getting where they're coming from, standing in their shoes, looking out through their eyeglasses, being inside their coat. Um, that's, that's the second step. And by the way, I say second step, there are, I should say to the listener, there are five. Yes. Five secrets. We're on secret number two. <laughs> right. Master your emotions was the first step into the other person's shoes is the second. 
We're going to talk some more about um, the other three. The other three, set the frame, communicate with tact and empathy, and let go of having to be right when we come back from the national news. And we're also going to talk about a character that drives me nuts in the book only because I don't know as much about the character as I'd like to, but for me, this character is the Yoda in the book. He's always there, and he just, I think, drives the entire story with barely saying anything. I think, John, you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> I have a feeling I do, yeah. So when we come back from the, the national news break, if you're on podcast, it'll be really instantaneous. We're going to be here with John David Mann, author with Bob Berg of The Go-Giver Influencer, a little story about a most pervasive idea. Grab your copy today. Welcome back, everyone. If you're on the podcast, this was an immediate uh, switch over. You didn't listen to the national news. You didn't hear any commercials because I do that for those listening on, on the podcast. You can get that on iTunes or on the website. It's all about the Stitcher, Spotify, pretty much anywhere you want to listen to a podcast. This show is available. Now, John, before the break, we were talking about the character. Well, I teased everybody, really. We're here with, by the way, anybody just joining us live on iHeartRadio, <clears throat> talking to John David Mann, the other half of the writing team with Bob Berg, about The Go-Giver Influencer, a little story about a most persuasive idea available wherever books are sold. And you can also go to thegogiver.com and get more information about the book. We're talking about my favorite character. I teased everybody. He sort of winds his way throughout this entire book. We talked about Jackson and, and Jillian, Gillian Waters. And, but there's, there's two other characters we'll talk about, but they're the character by the name of Solomon in the book. And to me, he feels more like Yoda and the Dalai Lama and Gandhi and all of the most amazing leaders, wise people we've ever thought of in the world than a dog. <laughs> you know, you and Bob are such animal people, and I know it, animals are near and dear to both of you, and Bob spends a good portion of his life philanthropically supporting animals. Why this character, Solomon? I mean, he'll, Jackson will be going through some crisis, and he'll come home, and Solomon will just look at him and go, woof! And all of a sudden, I, the reader, feel like, okay, everything's going to be okay. How in one word do we get that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although I'm, the way I hear it is more like, woof. Yeah, uh, that's <laughs> true. <laughs> this, woof. this dog, this dog Solomon is, uh, I'm going to guess, 60, 70 pounds. Anyway, he's definitely big. He's a big guy. You know, the very last words in the book, um, and they come at the end of the acknowledgement sections, are, to borrow from one of our favorite bumper stickers, Lord, help us to be the people our dogs think we are. Um, there, Solomon, to me, represents the, the, that capacity to be empathetic, to be influential, uh, that capacity that goes beyond words. It goes in, an, in another one of our books, and I don't remember which one right now. I'll probably go give us some more. Uh, we say people, will, um, people are affected or influenced by what you say, but even more, at least of all, by what you say, even more by what you do, but most of all, by who you are. And, uh, you know, who you are 
when you spend any time with somebody, tends to shout louder than the words you say. It's not that the words you say aren't important, because they are. Because er, your words affect people. They're very powerful. So choosing your words, I think, is, is, you know, is a critical human skill. As Andel says in The Go-Giver Leader, words are the most powerful human invention. Um, but what Solomon does is beyond words. Because, hey, he's a dog. <laughs> he only yeah. says one word. Here's the interesting thing that, um, that your listeners might trace as you read the book. He says woof, the single word woof, a bunch of times. And then there are also a bunch of scenes where he settles down and goes to sleep in Jackson's room and doesn't say anything. There's a difference. The scenes where he says woof are different than the scenes where he doesn't say anything. The word woof means something. And I, I'll just leave it as a challenge to the readers to, is to, to suss out from the, to tease out from the story. What, is, what does the woof mean? Because he doesn't always say it. And that's a perfect tease because it (laughs) (laughs) listening with the back of my neck, I just kept thinking of Guardians of the Galaxy and and the the character of Groot. And all he says is one word, yet I'll call him Rocky the Raccoon, right, can interpret these words, this one word that's just said. And he speaks volumes with just this one sound, with this one word. One of my favorite scenes in, in in movie in recent movies was the movie Julia and Julia. Meryl Streep is playing Julia Child, right? And she's she's not yet a, a famous cook or a famous cook author. She's just basically a housewife, really. And she's with her husband in France, and they're eating, and they're, and she's trying to figure out what to do with her life. And they're eating this magnificent meal, and she she just closes her eyes and she goes, oh, she just makes these noises, and her husband looks at her and goes, I know. <laughs> I love that scene. I so love my wife that scene. and I. We do that all the time. We'll just eat dinner, and one of us just says, "I know." <laughs> that's basically what Solomon's saying. Yeah. All right. So that's a perfect seg to another question I I, I wanted to ask you. You wrote recently published with um, with Chef a wonderful book called The Recipe. Yes. Which is a story that moved me so deeply. And still moves me because I keep rereading it. <laughs> and throughout the book, there are recipes in it. I mean, it's, it's, and everybody listening, go get that book. It's truly amazing. When you're up buying the Go Giver Influencer, go pick up a copy of the recipe as well. But food plays such an important part in all of the Go Giver books and in so many of your books, that other books that you've written. Why? Do you believe that food has so much to do to create an opening for true conversation? Or do you not? Uh, And I'm just making that up. I do. No, I do. I I entirely do believe that. I I believe that with all my heart and soul and gastronomy. And uh, it's a, a, you know, it anchors, brings out great conversation in, in your existence and also in writing, in books. I mean, it's a really great observation that you made. No one's ever asked that before. Um, so wh- why the food scenes? Because for me, you know, the purpose of a parable is to teach some principles. But best way to teach, in my view, the only way to teach is to tell a story. And people only want to follow a story if they're moved emotionally. They're only moved emotionally if the story feels real, if they care about the people on the pages. So, you know, the bottom line of it is, if you want to try to teach anything, people have to care. And so the, the 
purpose of having those kinds of scenes with food is because it's very real. I want readers of the Bill Giver books to feel with these people, to feel like they're real, for them to be real. They're real to me. They're more real than some people I know, um, because I know them better than I know, know, uh, you know many other people. So that's the, you know, the bottom line of it is to, is to be real, is to, is, to, is to ground these conversations and these encounters and these discoveries in, in real human experiences, um, eating, sleeping, getting upset, having uh, uh, you know, worries and aunts and having pets and having kids. In the book, there's there's two mentor characters, which you've talked about how in the other go-givers there is one main character who is seeking seeking for help and one coach character that's that's guiding them. In this particular case, there's two characters, as coach and and the judge. Yes. What I found fascinating, and I don't want to spoil this for the readers, so I'm going to be a little vague. I would have fully expected the coach to be having these huge meals and the judge to be going to the juice bar. I I love that you switched the two. (laughs) I love that you observe that. (laughs) You're so great. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's because, you know, you, you, you always have two choices when you're writing. You can go with the cliché. Or you can go. You can go against type and 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 try to reflect the real world. <laughs> because in the real world, people don't do what you think they're going to do. They're, they're not what you expect. Yeah. So the um, I don't think we give too much away here by saying that one one of the you know we set ourselves a challenge. This whole the whole concept, the whole purpose uh, of this book, Go Giver Influencer. We originally, as Bob probably mentioned, we originally thought of calling it a Go Giver Negotiator. Like yeah, this is better. <laughs> It's got, it is, it is. But, but it stemmed originally from the idea of resolving conflicts. And so mm-hmm. the, at the core of the book is this idea of how do you take a situation where two people see things differently and bring them together, not in a way through compromise, by, by watering down both positions so that neither one really gets what they want, but they each kind of get half, half the watered down by, but resolving them in a genuine way where you end up with something that's greater than the sum of its parts. That's our goal here. And so the whole book is about changing two-ness into a bigger oneness. That's the essence of the book. So we thought, well, we, gotta have, we can't have one main character. We've got to have two, and they've got to be opposite in every way we can think of. Um, so one has a cat and one has a dog. Um, one works for himself and is an entrepreneur. One works for a big corporation. One's a man, one's a woman. And then they can't just have one mentor. They've got to have two mentors, and they've got to be opposite. One's got to be tall. One's got to be short. One's got to be a man. One's got to be a woman. One's got to be in the athletics. One's got to be in jurisprudence. So you kind of see how the concepts of it all evolved. The, then the challenge was to, to make that work without getting confusing and, and complicated and, and, and abstract. And we had so much fun <laughs> with, these, with these characters because, I, for me, like the judge and the coach are like, favorite mentors I, I've, I've ever bumped into so far. I just, I just adore them both. They're so much fun. The challenge was, was to, uh, you know, one of them is fairly brief of word, and the other one is, you know, is a judge. She's used to speaking in language of, of the law, which is pretty long-winded. So, um, so, yeah, we had fun with them. Well, what's really interesting is when I was reading the book, knowing both of you and Bob personally, I was <clears> like, <throat> oh, it's them. <laughs> <laughs> Rats. <laughs> We've been outed. I, I really feel like 
this and I said this at the beginning that this book is is a legacy for the two of you. And and I say that because I feel you guys in this book. And for people that don't know you but know the book read the books, I want them to know that this is authentically who the two of you are and that is a rarity in the world of these kind of books. Mm. And it's very oh, special. I so appreciate that, my friend. Thank you. That's that's sweet. And that's, you know, that's what I tell people about Bob, having spent the last decade plus being not only his co-author, but his business partner. And, and I'm going to tease buddy. everybody and we're going to go to commercial and we're going to wait to hear what Don has to say <laughs> da, about da, Bob. Da. <laughs> we'll be right back. So you were saying you were about to tell us what you think of Bob. <laughs> Here's what I think about Bob. Bird. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll say it this way. One of the most influential people I've ever known in my life, and certainly probably the most influential on my life, was my father. My dad, uh, Alfred Mann, who was a, conduct, a choral conductor and a musicologist and a world-renowned expert on Bach and Handel. Um, he was one of the most gentle, mild-mannered, uh, soft-voiced, old-world European gentleman kind of characters you'd ever meet. But every, when he spoke, everybody listened and he, he might have seemed to many like a little naive because he always seemed to think the best of people. But knowing him close up wasn't naive at all. Uh, he was underneath all the gentleness. He was tough as nails when it came to matters of principle. Um, he was completely yielding and bending and mild in his relation with people until it came to a point that, that, that was critical. And Bob Berg is like that. Um, he is exactly, in, in, in private, exactly what you think he is in, in public. He is one of the sweetest, nicest, most generous-spirited guys I've, I've ever known. And he embodies this, the message of this book, you know, just magnificently about walking softly um, and, and carrying. I'm not sure where walk softly and carry a big stick came from. It's exactly that. <laughs> but he, he, um, he does embody these principles. And it's not about being a weakling. I guess that's what I really wanted to say. Um, and it's not always goal. about being right, which is one of the principles as well in yeah. this book. And it's not about, uh, 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 you know, the last principle in the book is to let go of having to be right. And what we mean by that is not to be wishy-washy or soft on your principles. And that's kind of where I was leading with that. Um, it, it's the idea of, yes, Know what matters to you, know what you want, know where you stand, but in your interaction with the person, be open to the possibility that there might be something you don't know here. <laughs> Understand that you are not in control of the universe, you are not God, you are just you, and there may be some information you haven't got yet. There may be some perspective you haven't gleaned yet. There may be something about what the other person's seeing that you're not seeing. Now, they might be wrong. They might be dead wrong. And you might be absolutely correct, but there might be something else going on that neither one of you is seeing here. I know I'm being vague and purposely because it applies so differently in so many different situations, whether it's a business negotiation or you know, a friendship or a colleagueship or a romance or a, a parent and child, whatever the situation. Um, it, it's that let go of being right being your first priority and have your first priority being to discover something larger something that you didn't know going in. Um, and that's, that's, uh, that's what Bob Berg is like. Mm, that's what you're like, too. 
Well, hey, no wonder we like each other. <laughs> That's true, true, true. They say opposites attract, in your case, um, similars attract. I, I was listening to what you had to say about Bob and obviously thinking of you as well, and I was thinking of this one question. If you could have this book in any group's hands, what what would you want them to get out of it? This world has become so divisive, right? We see it. I mean, I have people on social media that are just like, we don't want to see these posts anymore. You know, they're not talking about yeah. my posts. Yeah. They're, they're talking about this divisiveness that has become yeah. so prevalent. Is there, I'd like to see this book in the hands of every elected leader. I want people to mail copies to their elected leaders, send it to the White House, send it to the Senate, the Congress, the local mayors, everybody should have this book. I, I completely agree, but I would add, send a copy to your, to your elected representative, get a second copy and keep it for yourself and read it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because, because, because here's what I think. I think that it's, you know, you're absolutely right. I would love to see, you know, uh, 100 copies in the U.S. Senate and 485, whatever it is, copies in the, in the House of Representatives, copy in every elected uh, official and every non-elected official. At that state, local, and federal level. Right. But, or and, I'll say, um, you know, ultimately, what those representatives do, I believe, is they really reflect us. And the, 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 the divisiveness and, and extreme polarization that we're seeing played out in the public stage wouldn't have the traction it has if it, if it weren't uh, planted in soil that's that same divisiveness, and that's just us. That's just people. That's just everyone. That's just so. What What's the group that I want to see get this message? The group is everybody, because yeah. we are where that comes from. How we interact every day. That's That's where this this divisive conversation comes from. Just from us. At the back of the book, you have a discussion guide, and I would love to see teachers put this book into schools, and. Oh at a very young age, begin teaching these principles. This is me, you know, putting that out there. I know you guys um, do have a a teacher version of several of the the Go-Giver books. You know, we're running out of time, so um, let's just share where people can get the book. They can go to thegogiver.com. They can get it anywhere books are sold, right? Yes, 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 yes. And this book should be, this is my completely biased unbiased opinion this book can make a huge difference in the world everybody so so please just go get it let bob and john know what you think about the book post reviews get this book in the hands of everybody Uh, and john your last thoughts you'd like to leave everybody with woof (laughs) and you got to get the book to fully understand the power of woof Thank you for being here with me today, as always. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. I'm so glad that you're there. Oh, thank you so much. And I I know I'm going to get you back on sometime this summer when your new book we're not going to talk about is coming out with Brandon Webb. But um, thank you for writing The Go-Giver with Bob, for continuing the journey with the book, and for... This really timely, the go-giver influencer. I know I, I'm totally fan-geeking here. <laughs> <laughs> it is timely, and I really hope that its message gains, some, as I said, traction um, in, the, in the soil of the country. That would be just an awesome thing. So let's, I'm just going to run through the, the 
five uh, secrets that are in the book. Master your emotions, step into the other person's shoes, set the frame, which we really didn't talk much about, communicate with tact and empathy, and let go of having to be right. They, on the surface, those seem like, oh, yeah, but if you read the book, you will understand how they can change influence in the world today. And it's not just a persuasive idea, it's a pervasive idea. So, um John, I, I hope the storm on the west coast of Florida comes down for you. Although, it already has. Yay, see? It just took you being on the show for the storm there to go away. Go. <laughs> the co-giver influencer, and it's all about the questions, is already changing the world. <laughs> Calming the storm. There you go. That, that's such a great way to describe the book. The go-giver influencer really calms the storm. Yeah. Well, from your lips to God's ears and the rest of the country. There you go. Thank you so much for being here. And remember, everybody, the right questions can change your life. So what are you asking today? Read a good book, hug somebody you love, go by the Go-Giver Influencer today, and I promise you won't be disappointed. Have a great day. You've been listening to It's All About the Questions, starring Laura Stewart. Connect with Laura at itsallaboutthequestions.com and download a free workbook that will help you ask better questions starting today.